Hey, 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 this is Sarah Longacre, birth doula since 2000, owner of Bluma, and lover of a good cocktail and great conversation. I got two stools, a full bar, and loads of great people lined up to pull back the curtain with real life conversation. So let's dive deep and belly up to the bar. Hey, hey, hey. This is Sarah Longacre, and today I'm bellying up with Lynn and my broken pinky toe. And we're going to go into being broken open and what that means to be broken open after a loss, a transformation, and how there are so many layers of feelings, and they all are meant to be felt. I hope you enjoy. Hello. Hey, hey, hey. It's Sarah Longacre, your host of Belly Up. And uh, today I'm sitting in a, a awkward belly up position <laughs> because I broke my toe. I wasn't drinking because I'm not drinking currently. I'm bellying up with tea. You got a tea over there too, girlfriend. Yes. Um, but yeah, I broke my toe last night. I've never broken a bone in my life. And uh, I... It's interesting. So do you see how black and blue? I do I, see Yeah, how so black I had to wear my slippers here today. Um, and it's my painful, girl. It's painful. And I'm belling up with my friend Lynn, who told me she broke her toe once, and it stopped her yoga journey for two full years. <laughs> this is not going to do that. I can't, because that's how I make my money. I teach yoga. You'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. I know. You all are wondering, how did you break your toe, Sarah? Mm, I'm wondering. Great question. So embarrassing. My phone dropped right on my pinky toe, and I literally go... <laughs> your like, phone broke your toe? My phone broke my toe. How stupid. I'm so embarrassing. Sorry. So embarrassing. So, um, at any rate, here we are at the bar with our delicious tea, because we're on still soberness, at least in my land. Um, and I'm super stoked. Lynn and I have known each other for... Well, my daughter's 13, oh, and you helped me birth her. And I met you, actually, right when you opened Bluma. Yeah. And I, I'm not going to lie. This is like, I think Lynn will be fine saying this. When I think of Lynn's birth, I went to her home, and she was in labor, and her water broke, and she just was naked with these huge, big <laughs> medical diapers on. <laughs> It's, like, so sad. Like, I mean, I remember being, like, a badass bitch powerhouse. Like, you rocked your birth. But literally, when I picture you, you're very um, you're very muscular. You're very – your legs are extremely uh, toned. And I just remember these strong legs and then just this big diaper. <laughs> I forgot about the diaper. I remember Sorry. trying to crawl down the stairs and you were like, uh, no, stand up. Yeah, like, we're going to – we can do this, yeah. We need to walk. yeah. So we had that experience together, um, and then I just I wanted to have you on because you have an insight um, to transformation, which is a big theme for um, for life and people, <laughs> and you have wisdom that I know has changed your life. So mm. I wouldn't just I'm gonna take a sip of my tea and let my foot rest and ask you to introduce yourself. Okay. Yeah, my name is Lynn Salmon Easter. I, well, I worked in advertising as a photo stylist for years, 28 years, almost 30. And, and in 2017, my dad declined and died with um, Louis body. And that brought me into 
energy work. And so I was called into energy work. And so now I work as a Reiki practitioner and I support highly sensitive people and help them blossom into their heart. And I love what I do. Can we pause? Um, tell me about what highly sensitive people mean. Highly sensitive people, well, that's a term that it's a genetic trait that was coined by Elaine Aaron in 1998 in her book called The Highly Sensitive Person. It's um, basically people who are highly sensitive have a over, you know, we end up with an overstimulated nervous system. We, we are wired differently. Can you and give so, me an example of a, tr a couple of traits? Um, oh, gosh. I should be able to just, like, yeah. name that right off the bat. Well, because it feels like to me highly, like that word highly that's emotional. when you say you're a spirited, we, you have a spirited we're, child. We're deeply conscientious. Mm. We have big feelings. We feel other people's energy. Um, a lot of empath qualities. Lots of empath qualities. Because you can be an empath and also we take in the subtleties in our environment um, at a deeper level than the other 80% of the population. Which, in my mind, sounds beautiful and completely exhausting. Yeah, all of the above. And you say we, so you identify as sure. a... As a highly sensitive person. Highly sensitive person. Yeah. Which I didn't actually, I knew about but didn't know anything about it, even though I knew of it, until I started my Reiki practice and Jesse Haas was posting on it about Instagram. And I looked it up and I took the quiz online and answered all the questions with yes. I was like, oh, maybe I should look into this. How helpful to have that information when you are a parent, when you are in relation with a partner, with friends. Oh, it puts so <laughs> many everything. pieces yeah. together in so my life. With that, do you have to have a lot of boundaries? Yes. Do you have, a lot, have to have a lot of downtime? Yes. So are you an introvert or an extrovert? Well, 70% of people who are highly sensitive are introverted. Yeah. 30% are extroverted. So even the extroverts who are highly sensitive need more space than the rest of the population that's extroverted that aren't highly sensitive. Wow. You crash easily? Mm-hmm. And what do you— And boy, do I get hangry. <laughs> yeah, you need to constantly nourish because you're, yeah, 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 I can see that. So you go through this training in 2017. It has absolutely changed your life. <laughs> I can see it. Mm. Um, what else do you identify with? I'm a mom. And yes, I'm a mom to a tween, 13-year-old tween. Um, I'm a wife. I'm a sister. Mm. I'm a daughter. Mm granddaughter and you're the yeah. mom of an angel baby i'm the mom of an angel baby like you yeah. yeah who cracked you open yes in all of the what ways well one thing i wanted to say first is that i really see in my reiki practice with women coming through my room just the isolation and the challenge that miscarriage can create. And I am saddened by the fact that this is not a normalized part of pregnancy. And I've always valued, Sarah, that you really, your mission is to educate and to normalize and to pull back the curtain. And I've always really deeply appreciated that about Bluma and about your work. Because miscarriage is something that's really normal. Pregnancy loss is something really normal. And we don't 
normalize it and it's not a part of the tapestry of the pregnancy plan or conversation. And I found myself really isolated and I was Mm. sad and Mm. I didn't know that this was a normal part of loss. I had never lost anybody in my life. I'd never, never, I had never had anyone die. I mean, I had a dog die, but I'd never had a person in my life, in Let my alone family. your own person that you die. Yeah. yeah. Up yeah. until this point. I want to pause because something is coming to me that um, I think is such an example of how much we didn't used to talk about it and yet, you know, where we're kind of coming in this generation. So yesterday I had a prenatal meeting, so a meeting before the pregnant, pregnant person turns 38 weeks. We sit and we dive deep. We dive mm-hmm. deep into what are you scared of? What are you excited about? What are you looking for your birth? It ended up being a three-hour meeting, which it's typically about an hour and a half. What came up for this mom we mentioned an umbilical cord. This is the story she told us that she has rarely shared. When she was little, mm-hmm. she found out later that her aunt had had a full-term loss due to an umbilical cord issue. And the story was the umbilical cord is wrapped around the neck. Well, we also know that 90% of babies have an umbilical cord wrapped around their neck. You know, we, it's, but something had happened And it was a secret in their family. No Mm. one talked about it. She had a cousin who found something in the garage that was like, Mom, what is this? And was like, I had a daughter before you, but you weren't allowed to speak about it. And this mom is 42. So, you know, this was in the late 70s that, and or probably gave birth in the mid-70s. So it wasn't talked about. Secrets. So when we... When we dove into her fear of birth, it all came down to the umbilical cord. And this is why I believe people need doulas. And this is a huge, huge for me why I'm on the mission to, to talk about birth. But I think we also don't know the tools of the healing. And for you, what I heard you say is that you got cracked open. Yeah. And it wasn't for anyone to fix. No. Because this was your journey. And so where did this journey take you? Well, basically, I mean, I had I had birthed my daughter, Emily, that you helped me with in 2008. So this was my 2010 pregnancy, my second pregnancy. Um, and from the very start, the pregnancy felt different. I, I had a premonition that something wasn't quite right, but I kept talking myself down off this cliff. And I had a friend that was also pregnant. Um, with our second pregnancy right alongside me. We had due dates the same month, October. And around, you know, that 12-week mark, I had gone to a yoga class and laid down on the mat and not felt the synergy I normally would feel. Mm -hmm. And I left the class confused, kind of scared, kind of knowing something was up. And I guess that I guess that's a little bit after the fact because the truth is is that I went to a 12-week checkup after I saw my friend. I realized I was in the first rung of my belt with my jeans on, second pregnancy, and she was in maternity clothes. I'm like, hmm, something's up. But everybody kept telling me, you're fine. You know, if you go to your 12-week and you hear the heartbeat, you're golden. And my heart kind of was like, maybe. Like, when is anything golden? But... <laughs> I just kept talking myself down off the cliff and telling myself that it it was okay. And um, so basically, I really wasn't trusting myself. I wasn't able to trust myself for whatever reason. And just from the nature of my work, I was a freelancer and how things played out, I ended up um, 
miscarrying actually in the Washburn Library of all places in the bathroom. I woke up. I had talked to my mom that day. I woke up. I had had some kind of like Emily was sick. I thought I got sick the night before. I ended up on my bathroom floor hugging the toilet. I was having a my mini birth. Like I had a natural miscarriage because I had pushed my schedule out and that baby had died around 12 weeks. And so at 18 weeks, I was having a natural miscarriage on the floor. Like I was dilating. I didn't know it. I woke up. I put my hat on. I didn't feel well. I had talked to my mom and I said to my husband, Greg, I just said, I just really feel like we need to be together today. Can we all go to the library? I'm supposed to take Emily to the library. And then, you know, like I'm in the library and like, sorry to be graphic, but literally like oh. the sack dropped into my wow. vaginal opening. And I'm like, we got to call the midwife. And wow. so we went to HCMC to the emergency room. Mother's Day, 2010, Mother's Day weekend. The silver lining was I had my daughter mm. and she was a little bit under the weather. So she hung out mm. and just waited for the two hours. And um, yeah, so, mm. and then, you know, I think I had a journey to get pregnant with my first daughter. It took me about three years or four years. So, so your second was not with the help of IVF or no, anything. Wow. No. Um, you know, and then after the miscarriage, you know, we decided to keep trying, and I think we tried for eight or nine months. But I kind of went numb, and I was scared. And I do think I got pregnant a few other times after that, but pretty early on. And I just kept hearing this voice inside of me kind of like, I can't make it in here. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know what to do with any of this, right? And so I kind of, my, this miscarriage kind of numbed me out. And so tell me about numb, like you were depressed. I you was were, depressed. Were you social? Were you asking for help? I was help? not, no, I was not appreciating or showing up for Emily. Mm -hmm. I was just like kind of flat. And I was showing up as best I could, but I really literally woke up one day scared to death that I was going to miss the life that was right in front of me mm. because I was so like obsessed still about trying to get pregnant and trying to figure out what happened or did I cause the miscarriage, all these things that can go through you. I mean, miscarriage is a very normal part, but I did feel some blame or like I did something or, you know, all these weird thoughts can go through your brain. About did I do something wrong or do I, did I deserve this? And no, it's just this is just how it is, right? And so, so you went dark for how long? Do you think? Oh gosh, I don't actually know. So you know, the next, I was looking at my emails to see what the timeline was. That miscarriage was in 2010, and kind of the next step of the story was one day I woke up scared to death I was going to miss my life, and I was mm -hmm. like, I have to figure out how to feel. Mm. I was realizing I was scared to death to feel my feelings. Mm. And I didn't know how to grieve because I'd never had loss. And I realized I have to learn how to grieve. And so I did the internet thing. And what I landed on was Alana Sheeran's blog, um, Life After Benjamin, which was the posts about her stillbirth of her son, Benjamin, at 23 weeks. Will you say that name for our listeners one more time? Alana Sheeran. Life After Benjamin. Life After I've never, Benjamin. I've never even heard of it. And that. actually, I did just go last night and look. So all of the posts are still there. Yeah. She just, hasn't taken them down. Yeah. And I just started diving into those posts and 
that began to give me language around my, my miscarriage and around grief. And it allowed me to be able to touch, begin to touch some of the emotions. Did you consider yourself, uh, because you are a, I'm going to forget the word. Highly right. sensitive person. Highly sensitive person. Because you are that, did you know how to do emotions and feelings prior? Like, like, did you ever have to experience those? I mean, you could do day-to-day stuff, but you, you're saying, I didn't actually, like, go into grief and sit with it and be okay no, with it. I didn't it. know. Yeah. You know, most of my adult journey really has been about learning what emotions I have. It wasn't mm. something I was taught. And so (laughs) my whole life journey has been about what am I even feeling? And wow, when I got the memo from wherever it came from, not sure that you could have multiple feelings at one time. Whoa, was that a life changer? Nobody told me that. That Both and. That was a game changer and maybe 20 more. Oh my gosh. And so it was like once I understood that, then I really think I was able to, and maybe this grief journey, I don't really remember how it all played out, right? But- Alana was offering some kind of online, you know, we Zoom maybe existed then, but they weren't Zooming. Probably, she was calling, yeah. Yeah. you know, online class called Picking Up the Pieces. And I, I signed on for the class with her because I was like, I knew I needed to take myself down this journey of embracing grief mm-hmm. and embracing my emotions. Mm-hmm. And I think that is when, you know, so the miscarriage cracked me open in the sense that I didn't know how to feel my feelings, and I just I started to travel down that rabbit hole. How was your partner? How was Greg in, in witnessing this? Because well, that's, a, that's a big game actually, changer for marriages. I have to say I'm a little bit ashamed in the sense that um, Greg is really sensitive, and it's still to this day really hard on him to talk about it, yeah. about the miscarriage. He's a really tender person and tender to his heart, and I think I sometimes didn't support him very well in it. I kind of sidestepped it all because I because when his when his sadness or his expression came up, it touched mine and I was like, oh, I don't want to go there. Yeah. You know? It's something that we we again we don't talk enough about and I, yes. I I'd love to talk about this more in belly up, but just the partner in loss, right? So yes. it's so much about the person carrying, but Greg, as a father, your partner as a father really enjoys being a parent. Yeah, and I'm he sure was really excited. Was well, really, I was excited to think that there was another one coming. Really broke him, yeah. And that broke, yeah, that's... And I'm embarrassed to say that somebody, you know, in one of my communities asked me, like, how's Craig? You know, and he he was a man. And, you know, I just kind of, like, brushed it off, like, oh, he's fine. He wasn't fine. I, w- I mean, that was because I was so numbed out, Sarah, that that was, I just said the... The standard thing. And then I was like, he's not fine. And I just Mm. totally did him a disservice. And I didn't even have the strength to tell the person. So I had shame then. Well, you probably didn't even know. It's like, you know, it's just like, well, there's just so many emotions. Well, and then let's be honest. I mean, as our our sweet Nora, who has terrible thanks for asking, who's done a lot of work and death and grief. And, you know, if that person were to say to you that, you might say, He's doing terrible, but thanks for thanks for asking. asking. We then hold the space of someone who has to go. Oh, that was really uncomfortable. He's, t-, you know, or maybe that person could have been like, "Wow, I should reach out." We don't know, but we are right. not taught the tools Correct. of how to hold space when someone doesn't give the answer. For sure. 
I mean, let's just talk about, you know, the second round of Sex in the City here that I happened to watch last night because I broke my toe and I, you know, was sitting on the couch, which is, I'm not a big TV watcher. And, you know, Sweet Carrie was saying, I'm not good. I'm sad. I'm grieving the loss. If you haven't watched it yet, Big Dies. Okay, Big Died. And her sweet friend Charlotte's like, oh, I'm so sorry you're sad. And what can we do? And what can we do? And it's like, nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Just let me be in a dark space and let me be sad. And how uncomfortable that is for us. Right. In this day and age, and probably in this country, I think we we obviously do death very different than than others. But so, do you mind if we just go forward a, a little bit into then what was the, what were yeah. the next emails of you? Right, like when we think about that journey of you being cracked open, dark. You said, "I'm going to start my life." You start taking this online course. And how do you think things shifted if you if you were to go back to 2010? What would you say to that, well, Lynn? Oh, what would I say to that, Lynn? I would say it's okay to feel all the feels and to get support and to trust yourself. I think I didn't know how to trust myself. And, you know, that class with Alana began to teach me how to touch the emotions and how to actually feel the individual emotions because, you know, grief has so many different subtleties Mm -hmm. and it can come out in really inconvenient and awkward (laughs) and really weird ways. And it can squish out sideways if you're not actually paying attention to it and taking care of it. And so I would come alongside myself and say, it's okay to hurt, sweetie, Mm. and to Find somebody who can help you feel those feelings, which I feel like And Alana it's okay to did. probably be angry. Oh, I was so angry. That was the biggest thing. I was so angry. And I now know that anger is a form of grief. And I didn't I didn't want that going towards my daughter anymore. I I, yeah. I knew I needed to uh maybe I don't like the word resolve, but I knew I had to navigate it. Or give it some attention. Because I wasn't like hello right. anger. Like like I'm pissed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I felt, you know, I just I just felt like angry about so many things about the miscarriage, but then also that that these things aren't talked about. They're not normalized. That it's that even birth is not <laughs> talked about and I mean, I had a lot of fear when I birthed Emily because my dad was a physician and I was a breech baby and he was a nervous hot mess. Oh, yeah. And so that carried into me and then, you know, it's like It's generational. Birth is generational. For sure. So I really and when we're not encourage education. Fearing. And we're not hearing our birth stories. Uh, Lynn did my prenatal yoga teacher training, and uh, I feel like I'm like giving away like the secret sauce to it. Well, I don't know. No, don't steal this, anyone. Well, yeah, you can. It's not stealing. I don't care. Oh, you're giving away the secret sauce. (laughs) I mean, the secret sauce is really that first night that we that Mm -hmm. we come together in a yoga prenatal teacher training, and I we do a very long. Mm -hmm. It's a 40 minute meditation. Remember that? Yeah of what happened the day you were born. And for many of us, it's, I don't know, my mom just said, oh, my God, it was so hard, and your head was big. It's very negative. Other yes. people, it's, I'm going to tell you every detail. I know every single minute. Oh, wait, shoot, was that your brother? That was you, right? You know, So we aren't really told our birth stories. We are not talked about the heroic person that that birther was or our Agreed. parents were or the grief of I didn't have you the way I wanted to. And because all of that is, I mean, we know it. women in pregnancy are not studied. We, we know this <laughs> enough. But I believe that we need to start all sharing our birth stories, Mm, Um, but not at a baby shower. 
No, not a baby shower. I tell everybody, if you're going to have a baby shower, put a big old sign on your front door and say positive birth stories only. Yes, please. Because people aren't given space to share their birth stories. So instead, they process them at a baby shower. Oh, my God. Well, this happened to me, and she almost died, and it was so fast. Oh, honey, like this is a hot topic for me. Baby showers or going out with girlfriends and being like, I'm pregnant. Oh, my God, you have to do this and you have to do this. Everyone processes their stories when they're not asked for it because after you give birth, you go home and all of a sudden you're feeding and you're changing and you're doing all the things to keep a human alive, to keep yourself alive, that no one ever really sits and says, hey, we are going to journal about your baby story. Tell me your birth story. So I try to do that as a doula. The first thing Mm -hmm. that I do when I go to the family's house is sit down and say, tell me your birth story. And they look at me like, well, you were there. I'm like, I had my opinion, not my opinion. I had my experience, my experience of your birth is different than yours. Tell me your story, Mm -hmm. right? And then how do we continue to talk about it and heal or celebrate or stand on a goddamn mountain and say, I rocked my birth. We can't say that because then the person next to you might be like, I didn't get that. And I'm not going to lie. See, now I'm on my freaking soapbox. I'm not going to lie that I have great feelings around social media and the images Mm. In the beginning, I was like, hell yeah, let's show birth pictures. Let's get this. Let's show it. Let's do it. But now when I hear someone say, I didn't get that Instagram picture. I didn't get that. I didn't have that birth that I wanted. Mm -hmm. I didn't, you know, all these other things happened, which, of -hmm. course, let's ask, did that need to happen? Were you forced into something? You know, there's all these other stories. but. We, as a culture, don't talk about birth and process it just with ourselves, with our therapist, with our care provider, with our doula, with our person, whoever. Don't process it with your baby right in the beginning. I think that's a tough one. I'm always like, you know, I was very sensitive to talk about my birth, not in front of Meta. We talk about it in a different way. So I'm going to get off my Mm -hmm. soapbox just to simply say, of course, people with loss need to talk about their birth, whatever type of loss. That was, and whatever type of living child birth, so that we can continue to hold space because it is a generational thing. Absolutely. The way that we were brought onto this earth, I believe, has a great effect on 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 our system. Mm, agreed. And I'm not saying, oh my God, you have to have a natural birth and it has to be beautiful and you have to have an orgasm. No. There can still be trauma. There can be fear. There can be all of these things, but just like this woman I spoke to. Talking about an umbilical cord brought up so much in her because the story of her cousin Mm -hmm. that she never, ever got to meet still lives within her. Right. Which to me then must live within her aunt, must live within her mom, must live within her cousin. So, all right, I'll take a deep breath and you can shine some words in here, Lynn. Obviously, my tea is a little strong today. Well, it's all – but it's all relevant, right? It's it's about – you know, for me, this journey and the journey with my miscarriage brought me into feeling all of that and mm. to teasing out the different emotions. Like we talked about the different grief and the and grief, but also just all the emotions. Like I really wasn't able at, before that to tease out or parse out different emotions. Mm-hmm. And I think knowing that we can feel all these things at one time and it's healthy and okay and normal is an important 
Wow. Such an important message. Especially right? when we're raising these littles. When it, right? Yeah. All Feel it. Mo- Tell me about it. That's right. Yeah. We have a we have a situation happening in our house right now where Meta will say, I'm fine, Mom. Mom, mm. I'm fine. Uh-huh. And I'm like, yeah, whoa. So we're getting f- deeper into it. I'm like, so what I hear you say when you say that is that there's anger around it. And I want to hear how, you know, right. and we're, I can't give the exact example, but it was a good one the other day. What's when the I was, anger? Yeah, I was like, tell me about that. And literally she stopped and she said, I asked you not to help me make my lunch. Oh. And you took out everything from the refrigerator. And I didn't like that. I'm like, okay, there we go, babe. I need to hear that. And she's like, I've told you before. I'm like, and you might need to tell me about 10 more times. That's right. But when you say, I'm fine, I'm fine. And my heart knows that you're not. Like, I walk this really tricky place. And these are big conversations for an eight-year-old. But no one was talking to me like that when I was eight. Right. You know? Feeling <laughs> into the emotions and the subtleties and the tone. And how the big tone, they are. The, yeah. And how not to shove it down and... Yeah. Not to shove it down. More numb. <laughs> well, I do think that that's what picking up the pieces was the class that I mm. took with Alana Sheeran. I don't know that that's being offered anymore, but certainly that Life After Benjamin blog site yeah. is still up. And I just was so angry mm. that I decided after the miscarriage that I was done with listening to the outside world telling me how my life was. <laughs> because I was like, they got it wrong. Mm-hmm. It didn't turn out the way they said. Yeah. And I kind of had the inside track, but I wasn't listening to it. And so I just really... Well, because we always think that people know better than us, too. Yes. You know, like, oh, I'm supposed to be feeling this way. Yeah. Yeah. So I just decided I had to start figuring out how to trust myself, trust my heart you know, expand and blossom into um, my intuition. I was waiting for this word. I've been waiting the whole 30 minutes here for this word intuition because that is so top of mind for me these days. Absolutely. I think that's so much of what I hear you saying. And actually, there's no way I could be an energy worker today Mm. if this miscarriage hadn't happened in my life. This is what cracked my intuition open. So speaking of that, before we um, pay our bill and and say goodbye, can you give um, the audience a quick little uh, snippet of what, just a a, a two to three sentence, if you're not familiar with Reiki? Because some of us just love to be touched. Yes. And and Reiki is somewhat that. But just yeah, let me let me stop talking. So and Reiki is a form of energy work. It's I use light hands on touch. And basically it's a way to what my experience has been as a practitioner is that energy um, is in layers and we take on other people's stories and then they become ours. And if they're not escorted out or asked, you know, I give the opportunity for those stories and that energy to move out of people so that you can know your heart and your energy authentically. You can be living in that energy authentically. So what the fuck are you going to do about my toe? How can we energy Reiki this shit out? I just kind of um, squeezed, like I just moved my foot a little and like radiated up. I was like. Time, Sarah. It's energy time. (laughs) You got to get patient. I'll see you on the bed this afternoon you can reiki my foot because there's to, to me my foot now represents 
you're stupid. You dropped your phone. But I'm also mad because I got this new jacket and it doesn't, the pockets don't slide oh, the phone in very well. So I'm I like kind of slid it in and then it came out. So now I'm like actually mad at the jacket and I'm mad at myself for being so stupid. But that's just not even a part of this. It's just the toe that hurts because the stupid phone. But anyway, we'll work on that later. Lynn, you might have to get a new jacket. <laughs> um, luckily, it's my rental. Oh, here's my commercial. If you want to have six new pieces of clothing every single month <laughs> yes. that you get to pick yourself, this ain't no stitch fix. It's called Newly. N-U-U-L-Y. I'm done. I'm not wearing it. I love you. Thank you Thank so you, much Sarah, for, for sharing your story yeah. and um, for being a healer and an advocate Thank for you. highly sensitive people, for loss, for fertility. Mm-hmm. And, all you Thank uh, you as yeah, well yeah. for all that you do. Yeah. And for everybody out there, just don't forget, we'll take a breath. Because mm. someone in this moment is experience a loss and someone in this moment is being born. And someone in this moment is in a deep sense of transition and grief. And someone out there is feeling a shit ton of joy right now. And it all can exist all on this planet. Mm, Have a beautiful rest of your day, everyone. Thank you for bellying up. Uh, Until we meet again. Cheers. Bye. Belly Up is a Bluma production. It's produced by the one and only Michaela Finnegan at Minnehaha Recording Company. Hi, this is Mary from Bluma. Thank you so much for being part of the Bluma community. We're so happy you're here. We love hearing from our families, and as a small business, one of the most powerful things you can do is share your stories with us. I love when you take us on Instagram, leave a Google review, or email me your birth story or photos from class. This is a great way that we can share the Bluma love and reach new folks who could use a little Bluma in their lives. Find us at Bluma.com.